This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome once again, everybody, to the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. The Steelers fired Jerry O, Jerry Olsavsky, the linebackers coach, who had played with the team, coached for years. First they closed on the O in Oakland, and now the Steelers fired Jerry O. Words cannot describe my depression. Let's welcome now my co-host Tim Benz. Tim, before we talk some Steelers, I'm really excited about the XFL. Not because we can watch football, but because we can bet on football. It is right up the general theme of this podcast alley. And I think if we learned one thing about how the XFL can operate, live betting is going to be extraordinarily interesting for that league. Because as Heinz Ward's team quickly found out, those games are never over with the tricked-up scoring situations that they've implemented into the rule book, like the 4th and 15 play, the 3-point play. It's going to take a while for people to figure out those over-unders, if nothing else. I like the 4th and 15 play. You do? You, uh, yeah, you can substitute that for an onside kick attempt uh, once per team, only in the 4th quarter. Yeah, to me, you're getting the good football players on the field uh, actually trying to make a play as opposed to all the jabroni special teams guys either hoping for or trying to prevent a a, a bounce. I look at it not quite as jaundiced as I do the NBA rule, but it's kind of in that frame where it's artificially changing how the game operates for the sake of keeping a game close. You know what I mean? I don't know that that necessarily is done to keep the game close. Oh, why else do you do it? Uh, Well, I mean, you can recover the onside kick, too. You can, but it's hard, and that's why they're trying to avoid... Fourth and 15's hard, too, and if you don't convert, it's pretty much a death sentence because the ball's way in your territory. Well, recovering an onside kick is the same thing, though, as far as the territory flipping. Not as deep, necessarily. I'd I'd like to see the Steelers try that fourth and 15 because Pickett would throw 12 yards. Yeah, exactly. Deontay Johnson would catch it at the 12-yard mark, run backwards for two yards, and they gain nine. Uh, Is this overkill for football? We're going to have football... 46 weeks out of the 52 uh, in the calendar year between the NFL, XFL, and USFL. My inclination is yes, but but so what? If people want to gamble on it and by extension watch it, fine. I'm just not going to be largely among that group. I've always thought 
that minor league football would have to be coinciding with the NFL. And it would have to be with players who are directly associated with the NFL teams for it to work. You mean playing in the same time frame? Yes. Oh, that wouldn't work. Nobody would watch that. Nobody. You don't think like a Tuesday night night minor league? No. Which directly associated with teams would? I'm not sure how many people are going to watch this. To be very frank, well, let me I, let me ask you this: What if you had like a bunch of players that were, you know, taxi squad guys? If the NFL, anybody that they got to a futures contract, like somebody like players like that who are currently on an NFL roster that hardly played this year, I just don't think the fans would take them seriously. Uh, that is so far down the list of uh, potential guys to not just make NFL teams but actually play in games. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like... So, for instance, like Calvin Austin. Like, say that Calvin Austin is now healthy and able to play, and he can play in the spring with the XFL. I don't think the NFL teams would want to, you know, take a chance to... You know, the Steelers wouldn't want to take a chance to Calvin Austin gets hurt playing in the XFL. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't see that as a as a manageable option. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen guys from Arena Ball, from the USFL back when, especially when it was a real league, the spring USFL with Herschel Walker, and even Tommy Maddox, he was the XFL MVP and then started at quarterback for the Steelers after. But the examples of that are so few and far between, and I think even less likely to happen now. Agreed, because the scouting is so much more pervasive. Like They look at these guys and see them playing in the XFL, and they know why they didn't have them in the first place. On occasion, somebody pops. On occasion, somebody grew. Somebody got stronger, somebody got faster. But very much less likely to slip through the cracks now. Precisely. And I, I, you won't see a lot of guys who, for instance, were good at Ohio State but weren't drafted and suddenly are going to find their way into the NFL. What you might see is a guy who played at Division Two, or a guy who was a JUCO, or a guy who played in the Ivy League, or a small conference, and the NFL scouts might look at that guy and say, oh, those skills that we saw on tape are transferable when they get to play against better athletes. That guy really could do something here, and then maybe he makes it as a practice squatter. Yeah, but if that's you know what you're looking for is guys who make it as a practice squatter. The big jump from the XFL to an NFL practice squad. What a great Cinderella story. Uh, Which is why if I'm going to get my gambling fix, I'm probably not going to do it on the XFL. Plus, I feel like I need to be educated on what I'm gambling on. Oh, yeah, but most gamblers don't. You mean most gamblers would just prefer to be uneducated on football than educated about hockey? They don't prefer to be uneducated. They just want to gamble. There's that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, some people want to do that for... I know guys who do that for table tennis. Uh, I know guys who do that for golf. Oh, during the pandemic. Like, like Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? Chinese table tennis? Russian. Russian. Russian table tennis was getting mad play, yes. If we would have still had the C. Miller brothers from right here in Pittsburgh, remember them? No. Do the you table re- tennis playing brothers, they were brilliant. We would have sent them to Russia and cleaned up. Do you remember a couple years ago, it's probably about seven or eight years ago right now, there was that gambling, regular tennis I'm talking about now, that tennis gambling ring that was broken, it was partially rigged through Pittsburgh. Do you remember that? What, what Was it like the Henry Hill thing with Boston College? Same guys, Paul no, Maisie. No, it wasn't like, <laughs> our Pittsburgh connections. No, it wasn't like that. But there was um, what people were doing was they were sitting at matches, and because there wasn't as much live interaction watching the tennis matches, 
you were having people sit in the tennis stadium and telling people over the phone what the last point was. And people were live betting on tennis because they were getting the information in advance point to point. They were past posting. Yes. I like it. Now, I laugh at Josh Gordon and Martavis Bryant, who, of course, is an ex-stealer. They're receivers. They're playing in the XFL, and they're making peanuts. If you stay off the reefer, you're playing the same game with so much more notoriety and money. I mean, how could these guys fail themselves that way just to smoke pot? Now you're hearing guys like Cam Hayward lobby for them to get back in the league. And frankly, Josh Gordon can be back in the league. I don't know if... uh, There's no reason to take a chance on either guy. Well, Each now guy that, has failed numerous times. Well, now the marijuana rules are relaxed, though, and they have been since 2020. I, I still wouldn't trust them because it would be something else. With Martavis, it always had been, yes. And Josh Gordon might just be too old now. Yeah. So. Uh, and plus, Martavis has tried to go to other leagues and like not done well in Canada. So I, I, I just think he's jumped the shark well, in terms I, of how good I, he could be. I think part of it is with Josh Gordon and Martavis Bryant... You know, yeah, the the marijuana rules have relaxed now, so I I can see where people might say that, but where's the discipline that that makes football players good when all you had to do was not smoke pot and you could have made millions? And it, it's it's worth guessing that I'm sure these two smoked a ton of pot because you can you know beat those tests. You just you know everybody knows when they're gonna be given. Just don't smoke pot in a certain time frame. But these guys. Had to smoke pot every day. I mean, I would wonder if I were an NFL executive or coach, if you brought these guys back and pot's okay in terms of the drug testing now, I'd still wonder if they smoked so much pot that it would affect their performance, kind of like being an alcoholic. I was told, (laughs) my Martavis story is, somebody who knew him um, in his apartment when he was a stealer basically had a couch, a table, a television, one bed in his bedroom, and everything else in the apartment was basically floor-to-ceiling stacked up with GNC products that he thought was body cleanse that could get him to beat the test. And that was it. That was all that was in the apartment. And probably bongs and stuff, one-hitters. Oh, maybe those two, yeah. But, you know, paraphernalia. The only other thing he had in his apartment was cleanse, cleanse products from GNC that he thought would help beat the test, and apparently it did not. So I don't know who was selling him that stuff, but... Now, here's something that does interest me about the XFL. Could the XFL be a stepping stone for coaches? Like, you know, the, the two former Steelers, Heinz Ward and Rod Woodson. I don't know what their ambition is regarding coaches, but coaching, but, but could they, you know, succeed there and get a shot in the NFL? The big thing is what you just said at the end. Like, I don't I know. I mean, Heinz had been an assistant. Heinz seems to want to do this. Woodson might be just doing it because he's getting paid to be in Vegas. You and know? it's easy. And it's easy, right? There's it's no a short season. How long is the season? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. 10 weeks? 11? I don't know how many weeks it is. I think it's it 10 games. Okay, so, yeah, it's short. It's February. It's Vegas. Uh, there's a lot of warm weather climates for a lot of these teams. Uh, some of them are indoors. There's not a lot of pressure. I mean, when you lose... Is Rod Woodson being skewered by the Vegas media about what happened in the Vipers game against the Seattle Sea Dragons? No. So, for a guy like Hines that might want to do this long term, yeah, it's a road potentially professionally. For Rod, it's probably a paycheck. Plus, he's got other outlets. He still does a lot of broadcasting work. I'm more interested, Mark, in like, I don't know, the next Zach Taylor, the next. Um, McDermott, um, Kevin O'Connell, one of these guys. You know, the, somebody that is inventive 
in the XFL and can take those principles and apply it coaching-wise as a position coach to eventually become a coordinator in the NFL. Maybe I mean, a guy I mean, like that. Who, who has come as a coach from like the XFL? Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's, there's more of a path there, I would think, that you can make your Oh, you net. mean as opposed to some recycled NFL Yeah, name. as opposed to Jim Haslett. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Uh, by the way, it is a 10-game season, the XFL. When's the USFL start? Soon. You know, do you buy into this stuff that the Pittsburgh Ballers represent Pittsburgh when they're not playing any games in Pittsburgh? No. I think that's a hook to get people to pay attention and re-remember the brand um, in case it does come why, to pass and play they here. playing games in the, in the cities that, that, that the teams carry the name of? Why, why aren't the Pittsburgh Ballers playing in Pittsburgh? The first year I understood because they were trying to save money and they were just doing the central location in Birmingham. Yeah. For housing for the players, for pandemic travel reasons. But that, now they have like but two, now, two teams per city. Like I think the Pittsburgh Maulers are playing in Canton, Ohio. So they probably get a better lease deal that way. Um, maybe they're just trying to get money in the coffers so that eventually they can be rooted, but they can also profit enough coming out of that or not be in the red so much. I don't even know why these guys in the XFL and USFL would play for peanuts in what is a violent, damaging game. I mean, I know you want to live the dream. It's, it's kind of like Josh Dobbs, who, who you know has a, a degree in rocket science but has been a third-string quarterback or practice squad forever. The quarterbacks I understand because I think the quarterbacks still make a pretty good wage. Like, for instance, Wolfley and I used to call Arena League games. All right, when the Pittsburgh Power was still here at um, PPG no, Paints, no, that was the Gladiators. The Glad, no, uh, yeah, no, it was um, no, it was the Power. By the time I did it, I thought the Power was Franco Harris's cycling team. That might have been it too. Uh, but the the Gladiators were the first time when they came through. The second time when Lynn Swan owned them, I think they were called the Power. But we called games at that point, and there was a guy named Tommy. It might have been Gun, actually, but he wore number eight, and he was like Tommy Maddox. But he was six foot seven. He played at Utah, so he would he would stand there, take the ball, take the snap, just survey and loft passes, and he would go around from team to team, and every year maybe be on a new team and make more than anybody else in the league, and probably win the championship. So, like the quarterbacks, I get it. Because you can make money still. The other guys, I think it goes back to the Martavis point. Your shelf life is so short that once you get out of the game, it's tough to get back in. So if you're 24, 25, 26, at least stay on the radar and have fresh tape so that you could be called upon and be game ready to go to a practice squad. I don't know. It's still a bit too desperate for me. But you were right, Tim. The uh, last arena ball team in Pittsburgh was the power, and they're starting arena ball up, I think, next year. And yeah, it's coming back. I don't know if it's coming back here, though. Let, but. Let's hope not. Now, moving to uh, uh, the NFL. Well, maybe the Steelers can find a left tackle in the XFL, but some of the citizens and media as well want the Steelers to sign Taylor Lewan, the left tackle who got cut by uh, Tennessee. A, I don't think Lewan can play anymore. He's too beat up, too injured. B, he's got a big mouth. I, I mean, the culture with the Steelers is finally getting better. Uh, why toss him into the mix? And also, doesn't he have beef with T.J. Watt? Yeah, he spit on him and kicked him in the gonads. So why, why bring him on board if T.J. doesn't want him and have to go against him in practice every day? But Lawan, I think there's some juju in Lawan, don't you? Oh, I, the podcast I, stuff, the social media stuff. I think he's a jerk off. So yeah, if if you want to call juju that, Lawan is as well. I don't think they need to go that like. They don't need a showbiz guy. They don't need a showbiz guy. They also don't need a veteran 
overpaid at the end of his career. He might break down at any point. He ain't going to help you. He just ain't going to help you. Like, you know, if they want to sign him for peanuts to be a swing tackle backup. I wouldn't let him play for free. I just think he's exactly the kind of guy. I mean, it, it leaked from the front office. They were happy that Juju and Claypool were gone because they were me first. Why would you bring in this guy? I'd rather them draft a tackle in the first or second round if he has to sit behind Chooks and Dan Moore and have that guy be ready to be a starter next year. Or displace Dan Moore, be a starter, and have Moore be the backup. That, to me, sounds like a better plan. So you don't think the Steelers would even consider it? I don't. I have. There's been so much smoke about Luan because he's been blowing it about wanting to be here. He's been campaigning to come to Pittsburgh. And I've yet to see the fire attached to it. Yeah, uh, I, I, just, I just think he's... A bad idea on a football level, on a culture level, on a paycheck level, on every level. Uh, how far should the Steelers go in trying to keep Cam Sutton, the cornerback who, who's about to be a free agent? I saw somebody suggest franchising Cam Sutton. No. He's a nickelback, for God's sakes. I wouldn't even go overboard trying to keep him. I'd, I'd rather, but you know, if he leaves, he leaves. I'm of that school of thought. Uh, I think you try to get him for what you still deem to be an appropriate price, and if you don't, well, then cornerback moves up the board as far as how important it is in the draft. Or you get and, a... and it's probably pretty far up the board anyway. Yes. Yeah, but he's a nickelback. I mean, Tim, I know he's the best the Steelers have at corner, but how much does that really mean? It, with a good team on a good defense and a good secondary, he's a nickel. A good nickel, but that's what he is. I think they went through this past season showing that even when the defense isn't at its best – when they play the rest of the teams in the NFL, that's right about where they are uh, with the dearth of quarterbacking and other good offenses and good offensive lines. Their defense can get enough pressure that it can hide whatever shorting, shortcomings they have at corner. I'd, I'd like to see them be better at corner. Um, I think you could say that Cam Sutton was the benefit of playing across from Akella Witherspoon and maybe Levi Wallace early. I think Wallace actually got pretty good late. But when like they were getting skewered by A.J. Brown and Stephon Diggs and uh, Gabe Davis... When they played good teams with good receivers. Yeah, but it was oftentimes the other corner that was getting picked on more than it was Sutton. No, I think Sutton's adequate. I just wouldn't go much further than adequate. You don't franchise a guy who's going to go somewhere else and be a number two. You don't franchise a guy who's going to go somewhere else to be a nickel. What would you pay him how many years? What does he want? Uh, well, what's the franchise tag right now? 16, right? Something like that, yeah. He got four and a half over two, right, for his more most recent deal? <laughs> that would be quite a leap. So, like, he got nine on his last contract. Um, I would say that he should probably be estimated to make somewhere in the nine to ten range per year. Um, you get into that 16 territory where the franchise tag is, you're paying too much. Uh, you hear this? But, like, you know, you, you could pay him a four year deal, doesn't sound bad to me. I don't know. I mean, four year deal at what per? Uh, four year deal at nine per. I wouldn't give him that. He's not worth that. But they might anyway. And I don't know. I mean, it, maybe that's just the price of, of, of keeping a guy of that caliber. But I just. I just don't see the caliber. They could do the short-term thing and try to bridge him again, but I don't think Sutton is willing to be bridged like that. What did, what did uh, Hilton get? $36 million? I think so. Yeah, so he plays outside more than Hilton. Hilton plays more inside. Although when Hilton becomes a free agent again, he'll probably make even more. Hilton's very specialized. He's a blitz nickel. 
Yes, he plays he, a specialized role. He's a physical, almost even when he's not blitzing, a run-stopping nickel. In a way, Sutton's specialized, too, in that he has no specialty. Like, he'll go anywhere. So. I'd rather have Mike Hilton than Cam Sutton. Wouldn't you? It would help the defense in terms of their I, run, I, I, their run I, I ability. I think Cam Sutton might be a better pure corner. Yes, he's better I, in coverage. I think Mike, Mike Hilton's just a more impactful player. I think they got As a, he's proven in Cincinnati. You know, one thing that since they lost Hilton, they got away for, from the need of having Hilton on the roster, though. Like, they just kind of schemed away from relying on that guy to create pressure. Um, when TJ Watts out, though, they've got to come up with another way to create pressure because they're just relying so much on him, which comes back to how early do you go for an edge defender in the draft or do you try to spend some money to get yourself a better version of Malik Reed? And and he'll, and uh, Watt will be out again. Con on that. Now, we got to talk about quarterback, Tim. We're contractually obligated. I, I think by... Pennsylvania state law as well. You hear the Steelers might trade Trubisky. Okay. For what? And to who? And then who's going to be the backup? Trubisky is a good backup. With a a second-year quarterback who had, you know, some good moments, but some very bad ones as well. You need a backup of that caliber, and Trubisky knows the system. I mean, he's a little expensive, but you're not paying Pickett much. As a hypothetical... What if you traded Trubisky for a sixth? That means you have $8 million in cap savings. That means you have to go out and get another veteran who's probably going to cost you in the neighborhood of five. And then you've got $3 million in cap savings. So Track, for instance, has Jacoby Brissett projected as a $5.4 million contract. Yeah. Would it be would you would it be worth much it? rather have Trubisky? I wouldn't. I'd rather have Jacoby Brissett. Really? Yes, I think Jacoby Brissett's better. I don't. Not not in in the Steelers system. I mean, who's we, the better quarterback when they played each other last year? Well, who who was each facing? Well, they were facing uh, each other, which was basically that, that, well, that, that's what I mean. I, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, know, two two mediocre AFC North teams. Yeah, I, I hate to judge too much by you know quarterbacks don't go head to head per se. What about this idea? What if you trade Trubisky for a sixth round pick? And you make Mason Rudolph your backup because he has now said he is not dismissing the idea of staying in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's the story that I wrote today in the Trib. Um, I, I knew I heard it somewhere. Yeah, I wrote it today in the Trib. I talked to somebody who's close to that situation, and they told me that Trubisky would, excuse me, that Rudolph would definitely prefer to go somewhere else at this point with the way things have gone. But he'd really like to have a job somewhere. And if it's Pittsburgh, that'd be fine. If it's all there is, I guess. It's better than the Seattle Sea Dragons. Well, says you. And it's and it's probably better than being the third guy somewhere else. So, as was phrased to me, he's not going to slam the door unnecessarily. But I think if it comes down to equivalent contract offers, Pittsburgh is the number two guy if Trubisky's gone. Team X as the number two guy, he's going to go with Team X just because he's looking for a fresh start. I'm not sure Team X is going to need him as the number two guy. but So he see, made $4 million last year. What do you think he would be projected at? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, would you give him that again, maybe? I, I think if he goes somewhere else as a number two, he'd probably ask for a little bit more. He'd probably ask for five. I can't imagine somebody else wanting him as a number two. I can. I think his primary value is in Pittsburgh – because he knows the system, but only is the number two. You're not going to keep Trubisky and Rudolph. No, you're not going to keep them both. I think they would keep Trubisky and then find a developmental 
kid as number three, or you get Rudolph and you do the same thing. But who I, was I, that guy they drafted in the last round last year? Oladokun, who wound up with the Chiefs. <laughs> so you got a ring. Uh, what he was on the practice squad, so I don't know if you get a ring on the practice squad, but he might have one. Yeah. Hey, Juju's getting one. Why not him? <laughs> um, yeah. I, you see, I just I'd rather have Rudolph than Jacoby Brissett. I just think continuity is a big thing, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think there's anything that's all that complicated about the Steelers' offense that well, Jacoby Brissett too. can't pick that's up. That's true too. But I'm also I've not been impressed with Jacoby Brissett either. I was more impressed with him in the games that he filled in for the Browns before Watson got there than I was Trubisky. Staying with the quarterback theme, would you franchise Lamar Jackson? And if that happens, would you sit out if you were Lamar Jackson? I think it's a hell of a lot harder to walk away from $35 million in one year than it was whatever Lev was getting offered. Yeah, 30, 32 for the non-exclusive, I think. But yeah, I mean, if you walk away from that kind of money, you're doing it out of ego and vanity. It's still $35 million. All oh, right, like, okay, let, let's say, you know, you keep out of that $16 million after, well, he doesn't even have agent's fees. He's got his mom. Yeah, he just has to buy mom a new new dresser, a fry She might cost or, more. Or something. Could you imagine, like, like if, if uh, other teams, you know, try to sign him to an offer sheet? What do you do, Dry? Drop by Mrs. Jackson's house with a dozen donuts? Hello, Mrs. Jackson. You look very lovely today. Um... Yeah, you you would keep out of that, like after taxes, everything, like 16 mil, you know, and people make a lot less than that for their entire lives and live pretty well. And I think if you get Jackson on the franchise tag and he walks away from that, he's now got to do the calculus in his head of how much longer am I going to play and how do I, we were talking about this with Bell, right? Like how much longer am I going to play? Am I ever going to make up that money back? And and frankly, he didn't. Uh, With the way he plays... Coming into play in the negotiations, that's 32 for one year that we're talking about, let alone what he could be signing for long-term if he were to have worked out a deal with the Ravens. Well, the problem is that Deshaun Watson, that contract, $230 million guaranteed, it screwed it up for every team that wants to re-up their quarterback now. Look at the New York football giants. Danny Dimes wants $45 million a year. My God. I mean, I thought he did fine, and they should keep him. But not at $45 million a year. Speaking of value, I just looked up what Track has projected for Sutton to go back to our previous conversation. I said nine. They've got him at seven and a half, seven point six. 7.6. They said three years, $23 million roughly is the projection for uh, Cam Sutton. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson should also consider this, Tim. Would he be an easy fit anywhere else? He does have to consider that because... You would have to realign your entire offense to fit what he does. Would you have to in San Francisco? I... You wouldn't have to totally, but I think he'd be asked to do less there. And I'm not sure he'd like that. I think in San Francisco... Then again, it might extend his career. It might save him physically a bit. The, the issue with San Francisco would be they wouldn't have to restructure everything, but if they brought him in they would shrink their own window of how long they could be competitive because they'd have to make cap maneuvers to make it happen. Yeah. I, you know I, what I mean? Like, they, they could bring him in cheap for one year, like give him the guaranteed dollars and massage the cap so he's cheaper this year, but eventually they're going to trim their window with everything else they've built. Tim, I have no idea who their quarterback's going to be next year, and I'm not sure they do. I don't think they need him. He could be pretty dynamic in the way they do things, though. I don't think they need him to win. And I think there would be risk as well. Uh, 
I'd just like to see him leave the AFC North so Pickett doesn't have to be the worst quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, that, then what does Baltimore do? Like, It's a two-way street on this because we're talking about wherever Jackson goes. How do that that team rebuild its offense around Jackson? How do the Ravens adjust to not having Jackson with everything they've done to try to get there? They would not regroup easily. They would have to realign their whole team, too, because whoever their quarterback was, he would not be Lamar Jackson. Uh, finally, Tim, are you going to see Cocaine Bear this weekend? I'm going to try to see it Sunday. Friday night for me. Friday night you're going? Yes. I'm actually uh, I'm volunteering at Beer Fest, so I can't go on Friday. Saturday I'm going to see Pitt in Syracuse, and um, I think Syracuse will wind up in worse shape than the Bear by the end of that one, unfortunately. I, I think that Cocaine Bear might win best movie ever. Like, Elizabeth Banks, right to the Oscar Hall of Fame. First, is this her directorial debut, or is she directed in the past? I, I think she's done it before, but ne- but never like this, obviously. Well, obviously, just the, the like the clips I've seen. Ray Liotta is not in many of the clips. I, I don't think his role is huge. I think. Oh, it he, isn't. Well, no, I, he he's the guy who he's the drug dealer, but I'm not sure he gets chased down by the bear. I saw something on Twitter today. I, better- I'm not sure. I'm I'm speaking out of turn there, but but he he. You know, I, I don't think he gets mauled by the bear. I saw and a lot of this movie is the bear mauling people. Right? Is it just one bear, or are there multiple bears? Is it just the just one? Just one bear. Okay, so he's kind of like the Jaws or the Orca of this movie. Then the, the the best the best scene I saw in a clip. You saw the scene where he's chasing down the ambulance. Yes. Because yeah. he, well, you know why he thinks the guy in the ambulance has more cocaine. Okay. <laughs> and and, and you, you know what song they play is the is the is the music behind it. I hope it's the same one that Ray Liotta was going around town with the chopper. He he plays Depeche Mode's "Just Can't Get Enough." Oh, just can't get enough. Just All can't right. get enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know that one. Just can't get enough. But so so I saw this on Twitter. They said better bear in a movie: cocaine bear or revenant bear? Cocaine bear. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Tim, real quick before we wrap this up. Uh, Wednesday was the 43rd anniversary of the Miracle on Ice hockey game. Mm-hmm. I had Craig Patrick on my show. I was live tweeting Miracle. What what <laughs> events in sports have made similar impact to uh, the Miracle on Ice game? Because the Miracle on Ice game, it made hockey in America explode. It opened up the NHL to American players. It, it also was an American victory, you know, in terms of societal you know, against the evil empire that the country very much needed at the time. What other events compare to that? Because I don't think there's many. I don't think there'll ever be another one because we'll never allow anybody else to be a bad guy internationally. We just think the bad guy who's is on the other side of the aisle in our own country. Well, you see, I think that's right. That's right. The, the, there's a bigger rivalry in-house than there is with any other country. Uh and also, I think the NHL and hockey was better off when the Russians didn't play over here. Yeah, I heard you say they that. they had big international events like the Challenge Cup at the All-Star break, stuff like the Canada Cup Series, the uh, uh, tournament, rather, the, the Super Series back in 72, the Super Series in 74 against the WHA. You, none of that means anything now because the players are the same players. They've been playing against each other in the NHL season. They're just wearing different jerseys. Don't you think, though, that once the wall came down, once the Iron Curtain came down, that... That's my point, Tim. I want the Iron Curtain to go back up for the sake of hockey. We might get there. (laughs) Nah, they're here now. They're here now. would Would you have preferred an NHL without Ovechkin and Malkin and Yager? We wouldn't know the difference. That's my big... See, but, but one thing, we wouldn't know the difference. I think it the, would still be the best league in the world. We just wouldn't know the difference. 
like English Premier League soccer, though, I think what we would have eventually seen is eyes towards how good those leagues were if all those players stayed there. I think there would have been a growing appreciation for how good those individuals were. Yeah, but they were. weren't allowed to leave, Tim. I, I know that. I know that. Like, yes, I get it. Like, what Eastern European, sorry, Western European soccer, you can go to whatever league you want as opposed to Eastern European hockey. But I'm saying, like, if, if to your point, if everybody stayed over there and the NHL didn't allow Russians to come here, we would not have the same view of how elite our hockey is versus their hockey. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not a matter of the NHL not allowing them. I mean, the, the Soviet Union wouldn't allow them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were always allowed to play. I remember the one guy way back when, he he defected. It turned out he wasn't any good. I forget his name. That's how, how inconsequential he was. Uh, but here's the events I came up with. You're talking about him. before Fetisov? Oh, yeah, way before that. Okay. There was some Russian guy who just like kind of... Snuck away? Yeah, kind of <laughs> wandered in. Uh, but but just real quick, here's the events I came up with that are comparable. Super Bowl three because it made football number one in America. Actually, you could even go back to to uh, the '56 championship game, the one at night between the uh, Colts and Giants, because that was the first broadcast game. Yeah, but not like that. Not not like you know it. You know, Namath, the guarantee. It, it set up the merger. It jumped football over baseball, basketball. Excuse me, not basketball, baseball, boxing, and horse racing, which that 56 game had failed to do. Also, 1979 NCAA basketball final, Magic versus Bird, yes. made the tournament explode. And then the societal stuff, like Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball, Jesse Owens winning four gold medals at the Nazi Olympics. Here's two I threw in there. What about the thriller in Manila? Why that? Because of the societal impact of Muhammad Ali. Did, did that, or, or the 71 boxing match between Ali and Frazier at Madison Square Garden. Maybe that, maybe that, but but Ali lost. You know, maybe when he beat Foreman, I don't know. I think Ali was kind of a self-contained, constant impact as a man, as opposed to any one event. Maybe him getting stripped of the heavyweight title and then coming back to win it. And then here's two I threw in there just for the hell of it. Babe Ruth saved baseball after the 1919 Black Sox scandal throw in the World Series. And McGuire and Sosa saved baseball after the season got canceled in 1994 with the home run race. Yes. Uh, you Do you want to say Ripken and the breaking of Gehrig's record or no? No, I think McGuire and Sosa. You know, I, 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 think, I think Ripken put a Band-Aid really on it. Grabbed head, that's right. That's right. Ripken helped. McGuire and Sosa saved. Yes, that's how I would phrase it. I'm glad you brought up the... I didn't hear you bring up the Jordan... Excuse me, the uh, Bird and Magic 1979. Well, Pursuit it did on DVE because Michigan State won for a change. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's a good one because that, when you think of tournaments and events, the NCAA tournament on television, you can directly tie to the importance of that game. Yes. And you had the white black component too. Yeah, you did. And then, and then, when did the NBA get back on primetime TV? That was because of Bird and Magic too, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think back if they addressed this in that Laker documentary. Um, I think if you look at Bird Magic in the NBA and Bird Magic in college, you could argue that they both, maybe as a tandem, had more impact on basketball than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had great impact on himself, you know, and, Ch- and the Bulls winning, but but there was something about that Magic-Bird rivalry. I don't know if you could find a singular game that was to that degree in the NBA but there's got there's got to be something Lakers Celtics that's a moment in the 80s. I can in uh, the ABA Tim Stu Johnson 62 points ABA record I was there I was 12 years old. Precious and, Johnson now with your alma mater the Duquesne Dukes his and, daughter. And Stu Johnson's daughter. Daughter. 
Wow. Daughter, yes. She's at Duquesne now. Well, it didn't matter because Rick Barry broke the record literally three days later. <laughs> That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. You're listening. You have listened. You will listen again. And you can bet now from anywhere. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.